Ayabonge Kawe is a broadcaster, sessional lecturer in development economics at WITS and an author of upcoming book, The Economy on Your Doorstep. Ayabonga, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Cathy, and good morning to the listeners. So I see that you, you, you're you lecturing in terms of economics at WITS. I, I may or may not have failed Econ 101 at WITS, <laughs> and this is important for this conversation because it effectively says that you are the one that knows more than I do about how well, these things work, and you actually yeah. have the track record to prove it. <laughs> well, Cathy, I, I mean, I'm glad I don't teach Economics 1. That would be a much, much more difficult task than teaching postgraduate students but uh, um, great great yeah, great yeah i mean thank you so much for having me on the show and uh, yeah I'm, I'm still trying to make sense of uh, the developments over the last 24 hours so i think an important place to start ayabonga is to contextualize the numbers and the figures that we're working with and that really perhaps will also help bring some of mm. um these issues into the context of you know of of, of reality really a quadrillion rand um that's almost 70 trillion us dollars as far as as i understand it it's it's almost the global gdp <laughs> in, in what 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 does what does it mean for that amount of money to be global gdp well well i think Cassie, there's a lot of question marks um i mean it's not unheard of to have financial flows that uh, really, you know, dwarf in comparison um, what is produced in the real economy and captured in the GDP. So, mm. so I guess that's not the big concern. Uh, what would be the big question mark, of course, is the source of the money, um, on what basis the money was made. Uh, and we certainly didn't get any exact and raw figures yesterday. Um, but I, but I, I was saying, I mean, to your producer yesterday, my, my concern is that, you know, there, there isn't enough information even on just the financial flows here um enough for us to make an objective assessment um and maybe one might you know arrive at the conclusion that a lot of the financial talk and all of the you know smoke and mirrors around status room and downloading money and all of that mm. might be a i guess a bigger sort of ruse um that covers a lot of the pol- politics and the political dynamics that are playing out that underpin this because effectively there's two narratives one is that there's been a great heist mm. um, on, that has happened under the watch of the central bank. And that would, of course, cast some aspersions on the integrity of the central bank, its operations. And, of course, I mean, you saw uh, with the emergence of uh, Mr. Fonte there as one of the shareholders, also casting aspersions on the private shareholdership of the central bank. Uh, and I think some of those things are, you know, right, right to be raised. But uh, one, of course, you know, raises questions around the manner in which they were raised. Mm. Um, but you can't also divorce this from, you know, the polarized divisions inside of the African National Congress um, and effectively uh, how this plays into some of the debates around the interpretation of the resolutions from the 54th National Conference of the ANC in 2017. So, so in a sense, um, you know, my view is that we can't divorce this from what has happened in the parliamentary caucus, what is happening in the Northwest, uh, and broadly, I guess, some of the contestations that are happening inside of the National Executive Committee, as some of the leaks that we've uh, seen in the last few weeks or so indicate. If I'm listening to you correctly, Ayabonga, you seem to have more to go on in terms of interrogating what's at play through the political lens versus the financial lens. And you're a financial guy. (laughs) Well, there's nothing, Cathy, I mean, there's nothing I can make sense of on the financial side. So, for instance, 
you know, uh, uh, former Minister Toko Sekwale says, you know, these are 12 zeros. Now, I don't think anybody can go by by that particular one without an exact number. Nor um, can we go, I guess, you know, and, and I think a lot, of, a lot was really left to some of the journalists in the room. I mean, this idea that you guys are the investigative journalists, go out um, and effectively make sense of what is happening, give us the data. Mm. Um, and, 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 and one would think that, you know, things don't work like that. I mean, if you feel that you have a justified claim on certain resources that have gone through the international payment system and have landed up in the Central Bank of South Africa and ostensibly other African countries, as we heard, um, then there surely should be a lot more information for us to make an objective assessment, one, on whether the White Spiritual Boy Trust exists, but also secondly, whether or not there are bona fide resources that are sitting in the central bank. You would imagine, Kat, I mean, the central bank is not only just a banker of the banks and even in some instances the banker of the government, but it also sits on international resources. Uh, you know, if you think about uh, IMF special drawing rights, which all countries all have, you know, a, uh, a predetermined and clearly determined uh, a quota of resources that mm. they can draw on, mm. which are then, mm. of course, you know, uh, uh, channeled through, uh, you know, the central banks as a transmission mechanism. That becomes very clear. We know I mean, when the central bank puts out its statement of assets and liabilities, uh, you would know, um, you know, what the level of those special drawing rights are, what the level of the holdings by the central bank of sovereign state bonds are. Um, so, so that's all clear. Um, and to suggest that all of this information is not in the public domain, uh, I think for me, plays into the realm of politics. On the 7th of every month, in my understanding, uh, the central bank puts out a statement of assets and liabilities. And if you compare time periods based on that, you are able to see, for instance, in the COVID-19 period, um, towards the end of last year, over 30 billion rand uh, or so that has been injected into the bond markets by mm. the central bank mm. um, on the basis of some of the decisions that the governor had communicated. Now, to suggest that those operations are not in the public domain, uh, are not subject to public scrutiny, I think is to also, um, you know, play into um, the deep economic illiteracy that exists in our society, weaponize mm. that for what are clearly political battles. I don't think that this is a value-neutral grievance that is coming out here, but rather a grievance that is emerging within, you know, the contested terrain of politics inside of the African National Congress. I am Ayabonga Tawe. I'm going to ask you to stay on the line for me, please. Uh, it's just after 9.13. Nomsam Gluli standing by with your latest news headlines. We'll wrap up the conversation with Aya and then I'll also open the phone lines. Take your calls on this issue. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point and I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 in a moment. The SMS line is 41391 and on WhatsApp it's 614 I'm in conversation with Aya Bonga Kawe. He's a broadcaster, a sessional lecturer in development economics at WITS and he's also the author of upcoming book, The Economy on Your Doorstep. And we've been reflecting then on just these allegations that I suppose have played out in what is a much more dramatic fashion than one would have anticipated from the beginning of the week where we had this interview between JJ Tabani and Mr. Tokyo Sohwale where these allegations were first made and to see kind of the responses that uh, there has been over the last week. 
Aya, if these allegations were coming from just an ordinary South African, do you think that they'd, they would have received the kind of platform that this has, especially given the fact that somebody like you says, well, actually, um, right now, they, we don't have any evidence to interrogate because we're, we're investigating something effectively that doesn't even exist. On the balance of probabilities. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, not even on the balance of probability, but I guess on the statements from mm. some of the dramatis personae, in particular the Central Bank Governor, who effectively is suggesting to us that uh, this um, white boy, sp- white spiritual boy trust is a phantom. Um, mm. And I think, you know, you, your question is very good because you, you, you hit the nub of the issue. Um, if this was not the person of Tokyo Sukhwale and the kind of prominent role that he holds in society and the respect that he commands in society, we probably would not be having this conversation. Let me give you an example why I say this. The gentleman who appeared in that um, press briefing yesterday, mm. uh, um, corroborating the story that uh, Mr. Sukhwale put forward, had previously gone to the Santon police station to lay a charge of high treason against a few people, including the President of the Republic. And I can assure you that that, yes, it did receive some media attention, but it didn't warrant the kind of interrogation and scrutiny mm-hmm. and public attention that this did when Tokyo Sihwale, who is a former premier of Gauteng, who is a former member of parliament, a former commander in Umkondo and a former Robben Islander. Um, and you can imagine, I mean, with some of those titles and some of those experiences, the kind of position you would uh, hold in the society Mm. would mean that people listen to you. I mean, uh, the central bank governor, for instance, um, would probably not have an audience with somebody who is making some of these allegations as the gentleman who did, who laid the charge of the Santon police station. So Mm. we already have an example of effectively here what has happened and how the influence of a particular individual has effectively placed this issue in the public domain. And I think it's good that that has happened uh, because if indeed it is a scam, as many people are suggesting, and I'm certainly still yet to be persuaded on that particular line, um, then indeed it does sort of throw up, I guess, some of the um, nature, magnitude, and the scale of some of the scams that are going about. Mm. Um, But I think if if there's another dimension, which is, of course, one, to try and really shine a spotlight on the operations of the central bank um, in a way that not only just tries to cast aspersions, but effectively tries to influence the terrain of the political contestations that are happening. Mm. That has spillover Mm. implications for our society. For Mm. instance, uh, you know, Togo Sukhwale speaks yesterday about uh, being able to borrow from this pool of resources at around 1% or so. Now, the special drawing rights I was talking about earlier from some of the multilateral institutions are also offering, in my understanding, interest rates around that area as well. Now, what he is suggesting is that the bond auctions undertaken by the National Treasury periodically, I think every week or so, uh, are effectively borrowing money for our COVID response at terms that are much higher than would have been possible if they dipped into this money. Mm. But, but I guess conversely, what we're not talking about is that, you know, the marketplace is a place of sentiment. It's not driven by real changes, but sometimes the changes in the sentiment of people who hold money. Um, and those sentiments, uh, if indeed, I guess, this matter does blow over in a certain kind of way, will affect the terms on which the South African government is able to borrow, not just in bond markets, but effectively, I guess, the assessment of the risk premium that investors attach to any money that they on-lend onto South Africa. And with the fiscal situation that we have now, um, it's quite clear that we are going to need some money from the capital markets. We are going to need some money 
from institutional and pension funds in the country. Um, and it certainly does, I guess, raise issues of concern around the contestations within the financial architecture of our government mm. if, if indeed, you know, there are these issues that are going about. But I come back to the point I was making earlier, uh, Kathy, that effectively this also shines a spotlight on the deep economic misunderstanding of how capital markets, the credit system, and money management work from a sovereign perspective. Um, and I think for me that's a much bigger crisis because what effectively it means is that people can take on and accept you know, some of the aspersions that have been made here, irrespective of the financial detail, and arrive at a conclusion that says, actually, you know, if these are some of the shareholders in the bank, uh, mm-hmm. for instance, as I believe, then maybe we should nationalize this bank. I mean, what's the point of having somebody like Mr. Fonte there when this is a sovereign bank that's making decisions about you know, the terms on which you and I borrow, let alone the government? Mm-hmm. But then I think the second issue is around saying, you know, there are certain people who are, have allegations leveled against them here. You know, Tito Mboweni, Lesecha Khanyaho, you know, the president... Paul Mashatile. Mm. Uh, Paul Mashatile. Now, if you look at the selection of some of those people and you think about that in the context of the step-aside debates inside of the ANC and the in broad interpretation that says not only people charged by the NPA, but actually anybody who's had any allegations... Serious allegations against them. them. Mm. Then mm. you can imagine everybody at the end uh, is going to be sitting with some level of mud in some shape or form, uh, and that effectively takes a punch out of the step-aside resolution. So for me, I, I, I don't want to divorce this from the politics as they unfold, mm. uh, and I come, at that, I come to that conclusion yeah. on the basis of really the smoke and mirrors around some of the economic and financial questions. It's an interesting take, Aya, because in that interview with JJ, a huge chunk of the focus of that interview was on the step-aside resolution. And mm. Mr. Sehwale was talking about how he thinks the ANC needs to relook at the, you know, at, at, at that resolution. And, you know, he was asked very specifically, are you saying that it shouldn't be implemented? And he's saying, no, I'm not saying it shouldn't be implemented, but I'm just saying it should be relooked because if the party's not careful, everybody could find themselves in, in, in the situation that effectively you're alluding to right now. Mm, mm. In effect, I mean, it, it does sound like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah. So you, you, it's about creating the conditions um, that effectively diversify and map and sort of spread out who is tainted and who has some allegations against them for the express purpose of being able to then say it's not just about people who have been charged by the law enforcement and investigative authorities and the prosecuting authorities, but it's also about anybody who, on the basis of the allegations that have been leveled against them, mm. has placed the organization into disrepute. And, and we're already seeing this at a provincial level in some instances in the interpretation of the resolution that has come through from the Secretary General's office. So, I mean, in my view, that's why I'm saying, Cathy, South Africans can't think of these issues in isolation. Uh, we have to be able to think about some of the financial story that is emerging here in the context of some of the competitive politics that are happening between the factions of the ANC. Aya Pongatawe, we're going to have to leave it there for, for, for today. I could go on for the whole hour. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'll certainly be talking to you again soon. This is on the launch of your upcoming book, The Economy on Your, Do- on your Doorstep, because it's clear we all need to read um, a copy <laughs> of that book, you know, especially those of us who failed Econ 101. All right. <laughs> all right. Aya Pongatawe there. Thanks for uh, coming on to the show. So let me take a couple 
of calls, you can get in touch with us on 11 714 2006. So that's just 